Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standard Room Only Podcast. Yes, I'm your host, Ben Standig, and I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic. Happy Tuesday to everyone. Hope all of you are doing well. Hope all of you are not uh, holding your breath waiting for owner news. Uh, you know, we will uh, wait and see what happens. Um, I do want to talk about the owner news today and the owner situation today. Our guest, Eben Novi Williams, who covers business transactions for Sportico. He had the news on Monday that Magic Johnson, yes, that Magic Johnson, is joining the group uh, led by Josh Harris. Uh, we'll talk about that, but we talk a lot more about it, the, the overall situation. Where do we think this is going? A really insightful conversation about the about everything there. Um, we're going to also stay on the sideline, as it were, not talking about the football team, with our friend John Orand from Sports Business Journal for a couple of reasons. I think local fans will be interested in this one. John put it out there today, something that I'd heard about uh before uh, is that NBC Sports Washington, which is really now part of Monumental Sports owned by Wizards and Caps owner Ted Leonsis, is not only is there agreement with the commanders ending in April, but the station is no longer planning commanders coverage, TV on the website, uh, not at all. I, I believe still the, the podcast that our you know, JP Finley and, and crew are part of, I think that is still going on. But anyway, I talked to John Orand about that. What what does he make of that? What does he make of the fact that, what do the commanders do now? Um, their preseason games are still in play on NBC4, but what about anything else going on? So we'll discuss that. In addition to what does it mean for the commander's brand, as it relates to the NFL, to media, like Monday Night Football, things like that, with a new owner. Uh, and some other banter as well. John is a DC guy, as am I, so we had a fun conversation there. We'll get to all that in a moment here on the Standard Room Only podcast, which, of course, you can find on iTunes or anywhere you do your podcasting. Hit that subscribe button. Go ahead, do it right now. I'll wait. All right, you, you're fast. I appreciate that. Um, all right, we'll get to all that. Um, we'll, we'll have some more football talk this week, I promise. But look, obviously the owner news is what is in the air right now. It's been, uh, you know, to say it's been quiet, I don't know what even that means. But we're, we're all waiting. You know, obviously there was a lot of frenzy over the weekend. Uh, people saying it's a done deal. It's happening now, whatever. We'll see. I mean, again, as I told you guys the other day, just, you know, be patient. Be, be You know, keep an eye on who's, who you're listening to. Uh, for these reports, because I can, like I said, it's the information is really not uh, readily available to any of us. And Eben and I talked about that uh, in in our uh, conversation. Just a couple quick things though on the football side. Uh, I reported yesterday that Cam Sims is signing with the Raiders. He signed with them today. Uh, look, Cam Sims was, you know, a guy who went from an undrafted free agent to sticking around here for five years. I, th I think I looked up something the other day. Only. Tressway, Chase Ruye, and John Allen had technically been here longer. Um, I guess if you want to say Deron Payne, also 2018 was here longer since he was picked, but you know what I mean. Um, Cam Sims, 
you know, became a really core special teams player in recent years. I always thought he was underused as a receiver. He he was the leading receiver in uh, Taylor Heineke's breakout game against uh, the Buccaneers in the playoffs. Uh, nice guy. Always enjoyed uh, being you know being around him and uh, wish him well in Vegas. Uh, I won't say the the writing was definitively on the wall, but it seemed to me once they signed Marcus Kemp that for Cam Sims it seemed logical to move on. Marcus Kemp, uh, a guy who was with Eric Bieniemy in Kansas City, you know, we've talked before about the idea that, you know, Bieniemy logically should have some players from those Chiefs teams here with him in Washington to help sort of spread uh, the gospel of what it is that Bieniemy is trying to do, you know, things like that. Plus, he's a 6'3", 6'4", target, which is what Sims was. So seemed logical that one of them would go. Uh, Sims did, I mean, Washington did stay in touch, but I think ultimately for Cam Sims, this was an opportunity to spread his wings. Uh, of course, he reunites with uh, offensive coordinator Scott Turner in Las Vegas. I don't think that was a driving factor here at all, but nonetheless, there is familiarity there with those guys. So best of luck to Cam Sims. Meanwhile, Bobby McCain, who had been cut by Washington a couple weeks ago, he signs today with the New York Giants. So uh, he'll have an opportunity there. Um, so that that's sort of the news of the day here. Obviously, again, next week, the owners meeting, I'll be heading out there. Uh, really, you know, Sunday is when things might start happening, but the meetings will go uh, Monday, Tuesday. So that's what you want to keep an eye on for sure. Of course, follow me on Twitter at Ben Standing and you won't miss anything Uh that happens out there. And uh, by the way, I always kind of forget to mention the website. <laughs> uh, if you if you have not, it, it, for subscribers of the website, uh, hopefully you've already seen it. But if you haven't yet, story I had up the other day about what we may have, what's in the player contracts, the, the new ones that have been signed that may give us some inkling about uh, a timeline situation here with regards to Dan Snyder. Um, Edmund and I talk about that as well. Uh, but just you can take a look at that. Uh, some some uh, reporting I did there. Uh, story out on the depth chart as well is up this week. Just sort of catching up on where we are one week in to free agency. And I will just say, I was talking about this on the radio today with Craig Hoffman. I go on with him every Tuesday on uh, the Team 980. And the... Just, again, despite the fact that Washington has done a good job of addressing needs, they I, I can't like sit here and say, you know, if I'm looking at a, a mock draft that anything has really changed. Cornerback, offensive line, particularly inside, linebacker, I think all those things are still in play. So I, I you know, it's it's interesting that they've they, they've gotten. The baseline that they need for all these positions to put out a credible lineup. But beyond that, I think there's still work to do, particularly for me at cornerback. I don't know who the fifth defensive back is right now in the starting lineup. Uh, I, I think interior offensive line, you know, uh, if they bring back Andrew Norwell, I'm not going to sit here and say, well, that's a disaster. But, you know, you can upgrade there, at least get younger. I think that's something you could do in the draft. And obviously at center, they now have three options with Chase Rie. Tyler Larson and Nick Gates, but we'll see if Rui sticks around considering his cap situation and do they still draft someone um, to, to get younger and, and maybe a little bit healthier 
at that position. Uh, there is, by the way, I believe it's going to be up tomorrow. There will be a mock draft that we did all the beat writers on The Athletic. Uh, I did not one, two trades down. Yes, I have a problem. Uh, so you can check that out as well. All right, let's get to it. We'll start with Eben Novi Williams from Sportico on not just Magic Johnson joining Josh Harris as a group, but where where do we think we're at right now? What What's our sense of the field? Uh, he gives a prediction as to what he thinks uh, is going to happen. And then John Orand from Sports Business Journal on the commanders on the local scene and what their brand might look like should a new ownership take over. Let's get to that now here on the Standard Room Only Podcast. All right. Uh, needless to say, we all know what the main topic in town is. It's not the quarterback competition. It is what is going to happen here with the commander's ownership situation. Uh, joining here, joining us here to discuss that, including some of his uh, latest reporting about who might be part of, uh, well, who who might be part of the next ownership group is uh, Eben Novi Williams from Sportico. Eben, thanks for uh, thanks for doing this. Pleased to be here, Ben. Thanks for the invite. Uh, I, you know, you've got, obviously, you don't discover the commanders. You're dealing with all kinds of things around the world of sports. But I imagine the commanders have been front and center for you over the last uh, several months. Well, what's it like when you drop news and then 12 different people like me hit you up simultaneous and say, please come talk to me because all anybody wants to know is what is going to happen with this team? It's fun. And and yeah, at Sportico, the, the, the big dollar sign deals are the ones that we care about. And and team sales are obviously the the, the top of that uh, of that totem pole. But the, the the thing that I find so interesting about the commanders is that there's always fans of every team that want a new owner. Sometimes they're frustrated with the current owner, et cetera. The, and this is no surprise to you or any of your listeners, but the, the, the amount of interest, the, 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 the fervency with which it seems so many people want this process to move forward are, are hanging on each and every new piece of news because it, it maybe inches us closer to a day in which Dan Snyder is no longer the owner of the commanders. That's rare. So yeah, we, we write a lot about team sales and all across the world, really. But th- there is something different about what's happening with the commanders right now and the team's fans relative to almost any sale that I can think of in recent years. I mean, if we're going to include the entire world, I imagine at some point the celebration of, a, of an owner leaving or selling the team was so strong that it led to a party or a celebration or whatever. But I can't remember one, certainly not in this country. And I legit I. A legit question we've all been I've been asking at least is will there be some sort of uh you know celebration in the streets and if so where is it at by the where, where the stadium is is it in DC uh, you know by it just by the I don't know the Washington Monument I is it back in Virginia I don't know where it would be but I think something's gonna happen we've been talking in the office and and it's impossible to quantify but but the amount of of value boost public perception that whoever it is that owns this team next he or she, whatever they get just by not being Dan, right? There's a new stadium, obviously, that needs to happen. Uh, It seems like local politicians are going to be a lot more open to those conversations when there's someone who isn't Dan sitting across from them. Fans who have turned away from this team in in droves, a lot of them, I think, are going to come back the minute there's someone else there. There is a real kind of tangible but difficult to, to quantify value, I think, immediately for whoever is the next owner of the commanders just because of how strong the feelings were from a negative sense 
bias towards the uh, towards the current one. And I think that exists toward in the NFL as well, right? There, there's so many other owners, there's executives at the league office here in New York. There's a whole bunch of people that want Dan Snyder to sell this team. And I do think that the 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 it's going to be paved paved a little bit the 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 path for whoever it is that comes next. I, I saw. You know, like obviously, like the Lamar Jackson situation, Washington was, you know, tangentially rumored to be involved. I don't think they ever actually were. I mean, it is still going on, but uh, they obviously mm-hmm. just got a new uh, Jacoby Brissett the other day. But, you know, there's, I guess, some notion of like, hey, if the new owner comes in, they should make this big play. I'm not thinking it's like almost the opposite. Like, if you if you feel desperate to to convince to for some reason to get more attention or get more fans back, maybe you do that. This person, like you're saying, will have a long honeymoon it will meet like they will buy buy the transaction itself will surely raise season tickets and uh, fan interest across the board whoever this is doesn't have to do much at all in the beginning other than just not do anything wrong i mean just 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 exist and they'll be fine I think that's right. And I, I, I use this stat a lot, but it's pretty shocking. I think even to some commanders fans, when Dan bought this team in 1999, it was the most valuable sports franchise in the world period bar none. Um, and now it is, I think, depending on how you rank them all with a couple of European teams ahead of it and, and, and a handful of NFL teams, it's probably in the 15 to 20 range, but it was literally the most valuable sports franchise in, in the world. And, and if you look at attendance numbers, this also shocked me. I, I think you and your fan, you and your listeners are probably less shocked. Uh, 10 years ago, the team averaged 83,000 fans. And, and this year it was last in the league at 58,000. Um, yeah, th- there is just so much evidence of how things have changed for, w- with this franchise from from when Dan bought it towards now. Uh, but also the fact that this is an NFL team in a, in a fantastic market with a lot of fans and, and a premium NFL brand. All those things, I think, do matter and, and will, in large part, I think, bounce back fairly quickly if there is an ownership change. Um, all right, I want to get to we'll get to the main event here in a second, but I want to start off with. The news you had yesterday, um, and that lead us into the bigger conversation, and that is that we have known that Josh Harris, the owner of the Philadelphia 76ers and New Jersey Devils, was one of the people involved in the bidding process. We've known that for a, a bit. He he brought on recently a local a local billionaire. It sounds silly. Uh, a, a billionaire with local ties, Mitch Rails from this area that both are actually from the general same area of the of, of the air of this dc area where i'm from in bethesda area um but okay that's fine they, they have a lot of money what you had yesterday was that magic johnson yes that one that that guy is going to be part of the josh harris bidding group he was with josh harris when they were trying to buy the broncos obviously magic johnson as as everybody knows has become a you know major entrepreneur uh, businessman himself over the years what he's he's going to be the minority owner it's not he's not going to be running the day-to-day or anything but that said what do you make of the significance of magic johnson being involved and that the timing of it perhaps coming out right now that we're learning about this i think there's a few things here uh magic is as you said he's had a very successful investing and business career after he retired from the nba and a lot of that has been in sports team ownership he is a a, an owner of the los angeles dodgers he is an owner of the los angeles sparks of the wmba he's an investor in lafc the the mls club out in la he has a lot of experience across a lot of different leagues uh, in terms of of what those ownership groups look like, what they how they operate their businesses, et cetera. Um, he is also, and I'll use the Dodgers as a good example. 
he was the front man of that Dodgers group. He was not the, the money guy by any means, but, but when the Dodgers were sold about a decade ago, the people who were buying them were a bunch of financiers from Guggenheim. They were not big names. The, the people of LA didn't actually really know kind of what to think of that group. And then they brought magic in and magic became the, the front man of the group. And, and it was extremely valuable for them. They bought the team. The, the team has obviously done extremely well on the field uh, and off it actually uh, in, in the decade since, but magic served a very valuable role, not just providing capital, but being the, the person that was going to do the live events was going to show up at all these things. I'm not sure that that's exactly what Josh and Mitch have in mind, but with Josh, we have a very good sense of, of what he is and what he is not as an owner. And what he is not is the the big gregarious public guy, right? Josh Harris with the 76ers and the Devils is not Mark Cuban. He's not Steve Ballmer. He's not someone that wants to be the big public face out there guy uh, of the team that he owns. Uh, I don't know much about Mitch Rails, to be totally honest. I have no idea if he wants to or, or, or could be that person also either. But I do think there's a chance that if this group does does end up buying this team that 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 magic could play a fairly public role um in in, in representing it so i think there's that and then it, it's hard to also overlook the diversity aspect here the nfl has has very few black minority owners there's no black control owner it is something the league does care a lot about even if even if it, looking at the uh looking at the ownership ranks it doesn't isn't reflected in that um, so I do think that that magic also brings a very valuable di- diverse aspect to this ownership group, which we saw in you mentioned Denver uh, last year when Rob Walton bought the Denver Broncos, his LPs included Melody Hobson, who is a a, a black VC, uh, included Lewis Hamilton, the F1 driver, Condoleezza Rice. He had a fairly diverse group of minority partners as well. And my guess would be that Josh Harris, and if there are other groups at the table right now talking to Dan as well, I wouldn't be shocked if, if they also have a, a group of limited partners that include some diversity. Right, and we had heard supposedly like Jay-Z could be involved if Jeff Bezos gets going, things like that. Um, yeah, and just it, Mitch Rails, who's from here, I, I don't think I, I barely had ever heard of him, I don't think. And like he yeah. seems almost borderline a recluse. I don't mean that in like a weird way. I just mean he mm-hmm. shies away from the spotlight. Um, the idea of Magic Johnson being any kind of front man, I don't think saying going from Dan Snyder to magic johnson i don't think saying it's a 180 is enough like i don't know what what else you would have to say to go from a guy who is not only the most as unpopular as any owner there is or even public figure in these parts at a minimum who is a recluse i i have covered this team depending on how you do the math for several years since at least 2015 and beyond but whatever but in that time when i've been i've been on it like full time for real since i got to the athletic in 2019 I have been in the room with Dan Snyder one time mm. yeah. <laughs> and, and that was the happy Thanksgiving uh, time. So that to go to that, to magic Johnson, who is obviously, you know, putting aside that he's an LA guy and this is across the country who, you know, he's out in front and center. He's a huge presence in, in the public spotlight. Even today when he, when he tweets, you know, his tweets get, you know, people kind of <laughs> laugh at them a little bit, but whatever it's, it's magic Johnson. And he's, you know, gregarious as popular as could be. It is. It would be an unbelievable sea change to go from that extreme to the other if he did, Magic Johnson does in fact play any kind of role of being sort of a, a front man. I, I think that's right. He's, he's you're right. He's charismatic. He's very charming. He's he's very good. He's very good in these roles. And and a, you know, a lot of owners, Dan, I think, is on the 
is on the extreme end to a degree, but there are a lot of owners that don't want to be, they don't want to be the, the, the big out there person, right? They, they want the attention to be more on the players and in some cases the executives that they have. Um, but there's definitely value to having some kind of a bridge between the ownership group and the fans. And, and there are people, again, there, there are owners, I think, that do it really well. There are owners that maybe go too far. But uh, yeah, th- there are there are fan bases around the country that are very frustrated with the setup similar to what Dan has, which is that they, they never hear from the ownership group. They never feel like their frustrations are being heard. Um, and and yes, I would expect Josh and, and Mitch and, and, and Magic and whoever else is in this group to be thinking about that very intentionally right now. All right. So it would be fun to get to a point where we say Magic Johnson is going to be somebody that we have to deal with with any kind of regularity. But that said... That's he's gonna need question. to cut down on the tweeting a little bit, Ben. Yeah, <laughs> he's gonna need to adopt some maybe new rules about the tweets. Uh, per, perhaps, perhaps. <laughs> um, but okay. But now it get, leads to the bigger question, obviously. Of you know, is Dan Snyder? It, it almost seems like we're kind of silly to say, is he going to sell? But considering the situation, it feels like you still have to put out those caveats because until until the horse is in the barn, I'm not assuming anything is going to happen. That said. Where are you at right now with the idea of Dan Snyder actually selling? And then we can go part two is who do you think is actually in the lead to uh, to get the team? Yeah, so I think the, it's the right first question uh, because you're you're right. I, I, I still talk to people who are involved in this process that still don't exactly understand Dan's thinking. And I get the sense that maybe Dan still doesn't really understand what, what he wants to be doing, what he, what he may or may not be forced to do etc. But but let's assume for a second that that this team is going to transact and there will be a new owner next year. Uh my, my feeling is that Josh's bid is is strong. They're they're still in the conversation. I know that that they're adding capital. Uh it, it's a, it's a very interesting I think if you're an NFL owner, you love the idea of Josh and Mitch and and Magic being part of the club. All of those things I think are very valuable. I don't know how many other groups are currently talking to Dan. I get the sense that there's not that many. Um, and I say that partially because I think if there were a lot of them, we would probably know a couple more names than we do right now. There's a chance that, that right now it is just Josh Harris's group really having, having these conversations. Um, so the, the, I think right now things look good for, for Josh and Mitch and, and magic. The, the big specter of Jeff Bezos still looms over this thing and it will loom until the moment the team is sold to somebody else or the moment Dan says he's not going to sell the team. The, the Jeff Bezos is not, was not involved in the process in the way that the other bid groups were. He never had to be. He knew that. His advisors also knew that. Um, the, the way that we have been kind of thinking about this is Dan and Bank of America will figure out exactly what these other groups are willing to pay, the, the top dollar number. And then they'll make a call to Jeff Bezos, add a couple mil, hundred million dollars to it and say, yeah, this is what it's going to cost you and see what Jeff says. Um, I don't know if that's happened already, if that is definitely going to happen at some point in the future. But the, the my general thinking now is that of, of the groups that are involved in this process outside of Jeff, uh, it, it does seem like Je- like the Josh Harris group is in a strong position. The one thing I'll say about Josh is you mentioned the 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 Broncos in there. He's been a runner up a lot in these processes. He was a runner up for the Broncos. He was outbid by like a billion dollars by Steve Cohen when the Mets were sold. Uh, and, and Josh is a value investor. It's one of the reasons he started Apollo global management. It's one of the reasons he's been very successful and made a lot of money in his career. He's not the guy that, that, that adds $500 million to a deal just to get it over the line. Right. Um, and the way that sports teams are sold right now, 
that's what it takes typically, right? We just saw the Phoenix Sun sell to Matt Ishbia, a billionaire from Michigan. Matt paid 700, depending on who you talk to, 700 to a billion dollars more than the next closest bidder. He wanted the Suns. He knew it was going to take an overpayment on the actual valuation. He didn't care. He had the money and he made it happen. Um, that gets deals done in, in, in today's world. It's one of the reasons why Josh has struggled to, to get up to get an NFL team or, or a major other asset in the past. So in some ways, I think that that that's relevant because I think Dan maybe has a number in his head. And if you, if you hit that number, he's happy to, to wash his hands and walk away. Uh, and if you don't, I, I think it becomes a much more difficult conversation. And Josh is not the guy that, that hits those numbers typically. Right. So if he is the only group there, um, I, it does make me a little bit trepidatious about what Dan's full intentions are from, from, from a price standpoint. But yeah, my general feeling is I'm sure there are groups that I am unaware of that there almost always are, but I don't think there's that, I don't get the sense that there's that many of them. And if Jeff Bezos is not interested, or if Dan really does have it out for Jeff in a way that he is going to refuse to sell this team to him, which I'm skeptical of, but if Jeff doesn't come in and Josh is the, is the only bidder, uh, I, I, I think this team's going to sell for a bit less than people are expecting. Well, and that is interesting, right? Like I try to explain this to people and it's, it's difficult. You know, when we're dealing with the regular transactions on the football team, you know, who they're going to get at quarterback or who might've had new head coach be whenever those things come up, you kind of have a feel for the players involved. I, I don't mean the literal players, but the people yeah. involved, the options, the what's realistic. Plus there's a lot of people to talk to in the marketplace. Somebody perhaps for all, you know, anybody who's with all the other teams is out there. There's agents, there's the players themselves, coaches. There's all kinds of people to talk. In this case, the billionaires are not talking, and they have enough power to get sure that the people around them are not talking, whether that's through NDAs or just the, the threat of God. I don't know, whatever it is. So at the moment that this all started, right, and we started hearing immediately, oh, the, the, the final bid could be over $7 billion or something. And to note, of course, the Broncos, just sold last year for in over four billion, which was at that, which is still the record high sale for a North American uh, sports franchise. Yeah, so, it's it. Go ahead, sorry. No, no, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say that the the you're right. The the only way this team sells for seven billion is if Jeff Bezos puts seven billion in cash in a, in a briefcase and puts it on on the desk, right? It, it, if this is going to sell to someone else, it's going to be it's going to be below that. It could be well below that. Uh, and, and we'll see. This has been a a very uh, a very non chatty sale process, right? We, at Sportico, we cover these team sales all the time. There, there's there's a half dozen happening right now. Um, a lot of times, there's a lot of people in there. They're talking. The other people around the league want to know about it, so they're asking questions. And those people sometimes talk. The NFL has been uh, has been very cautious around Dan this whole process. And and when the Broncos were selling, for example, everyone around the league wanted to know who's in the room. What 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 are the talks looking like? Where everyone was excited about the whole thing. The 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 expectation and and the impression I get around the NFL right now is that everybody's hands off. They don't want to ask. They they, they don't want to give Dan the impression that they're applying pressure, crying about what what's involved, who's involved, etc. Uh, so as a result, I do think there's a smaller circle of people that are really actually in the know about what's happening day to day right now with this process. So yeah, in some ways there's been, it's been less chatty than other sale processes in the NFL or in other leagues, I think largely because there, there's just like a lot more caution um, and, and, and white glove treatment of, of, of Dan to a degree. 
And I was going to ask you, and, and this could be completely off base, and this could just be the what I get mad when people do is like the equivalent of just reading a headline. Um, but it feels like lately around sports broadly that I'm wondering if we're potentially getting close to if we haven't already reached a ceiling of sports sales prices, especially amid this bit of a economic downturn with the stock market, where you have the Angel Los you know the MLB Los Angeles uh, whatever what are they called now the, the Angels, Los Angeles yeah. Angels LA Angels yeah yeah um you know they were up for sale and then he pulled them back and I think I saw was it Tottenham or so one of the EPL teams was sort of the same Liverpool, deal they were up. Yeah. And I was just wondering, like, have we, you know, I, I obviously, the, the, like, even like one thing that's been interesting to me with this conversation is in the Bezos part sort of illuminated this is it's, it's how few people, especially for the NFL can actually really get involved because of their funding rule situations where you have to have a certain amount of percentage of money. You can't be so, so in debt, which has been part of the Dan Snyder story. And about, I mean, how would you think we potentially getting close to or reach a ceiling to a degree with where sports franchises are going? Or is that just a maybe like an NFL thing because of the rules? No, I think you're hitting on exactly the existential question right now, especially for the NFL, because their teams are the most valuable, is that as these teams soar valuation wise, the amount of people that can buy them gets smaller and smaller. And, and the Broncos just sold to the 11th richest person in the world. Right. There, there's only 10 people richer than the person that just bought the Broncos for four point six billion. And we're, we're talking about the commanders that could sell for one, two billion dollars more than that. Right. So so the pool of people is really small. And, and to really hammer that home, Josh Harris is worth, according to Bloomberg, over seven billion dollars. Mitchell Rails, according to Bloomberg, worth six billion dollars together. I don't think they have the money to buy this team. Right. It's one of the reasons they're out talking to other people. They're going to bring in LPs, uh, the amount of money you need to have. And then it has to be a lot of it has to be in cash, as you said. Um, and there's not you can only take a billion dollars or a billion and a half of, of, of debt to make the thing happen. And the NFL wants a control owner that's going to have 30 percent of the team. It's more onerous, the, the ownership rules in the NFL than in any other league. And the franchises are also more valuable than than in any other league. Uh, and you do reach this point where if Jeff Bezos does buy the commanders, right, who buys the next team? If the New York Giants were to sell tomorrow a, a team that's probably worth more than the commanders, who out there has the money, the the interest, and the liquidity to get a deal like that done? So other other leagues, and I know you know this, have have courted private equity. They're making it easier for funds to buy up chunks of teams, which 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 essentially makes the sale process uh, simpler uh, in the grand scheme of things. The NFL has not done that. My guess is they will at some point when they absolutely have to. But th there is this kind of push and pull that as valuations continue to soar you do get this point where the the amount of people that can buy them and have interest in buying them is so infinitesimally small. And that's a challenge the NFL is going to have moving forward, essentially if the next time any team is on the market. All right, so let's get to this um, prediction time. We are talking, <laughs> it's important to say it's Tuesday morning because anything could happen at any minute. Tuesday morning, the NFL owners meeting, I'll be in Phoenix uh, starting on over this weekend. And there's some expectation that one way or another, we may not get definitive answers, but that the, we will get some more information here with all the owners getting together, even if the information is they're going to take a vote or, or whatever the extreme is on that end. What's your sense, best guess right now, when 
this sale transaction could happen? And I guess to some degree, do you think it'll happen? But like, what, where, where are you at right now with the timing of this? Yeah. And I, I don't want anyone to read too deep into this. Cause I'm kind of just, I, I'll have fun with it. I, my, my guess, if, 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 if we're putting kind of guesses on, on the, on the, on the, on the dartboard there, my guess is that Jeff Bezos buys this team. He buys it for something between six and $7 billion and that it happens not in the next week or two, but something relatively soon after that. And that's not based on any, any intense inside information that I have. It's just, it, it's been my feeling since the beginning that this just felt like it was going to be a, a, a Bezos acquisition. Um, and, and again, there, there's a lot of variables at place that things that would need to happen before uh, that prediction were to uh, were to bear out. But I, I do think that Dan Snyder is not the owner of the commanders in two months. Um, and I do think that it's going to either be uh, Bezos or it's going to be this this Josh Harris group. Well, I mean, it's interesting on the Bezos thing. Obviously, it's been discussed forever. Yeah. But I, I, I mean, I guess there's some sense, like, because I guess, you know, he had um, he's apparently signed uh, an NDA apparently to. To, to look at the documents and that was something that was been part of the holdup, I guess, before. But like it's not like we don't really have the same intel, like I said, generally that we do on the other ones. And even the other ones we don't have a lot of group. So I've always just been wondering how much of this is we're all just like assuming Bezos because he owns the Washington Post, they're building an Amazon a second Amazon here, and he supposedly wants an NFL team versus um you know that he actually is doing these things, but that's he, interesting. That that's where you're going. Yeah, I think that's to, I think that's totally fair. And and the other big variable with Jeff is that he's a Seattle guy. Obviously, the Seattle Seahawks are going to sell at some point. Now that Paul Paul Allen passed away, his estate uh, said that the team would be sold. It's not going to happen this year. It's not going to happen next year. It's not going to happen the year after that. But at some point in the next decade, the, the team that I think Jeff probably really wants to own uh, is going to be on the market. Uh, so I think that's probably weighing a little bit in the back of his head as well. But you're right. When I when, when I give a production that Jeff is going to buy this team, it is just purely speculation. At yeah, this yeah. Point. I don't I don't know. I, I have not heard anything from his camp or for, from the folks selling the team that that is uh, that that's in the offing, obviously. All right. Well, look, if Jeff Bezos has Jay-Z and and uh, Josh Harris has Magic Johnson, you know, that, that could be a uh, fun debate there. But one way or the other, hopefully for my sanity and for this mostly for the sanity of the fans who have been through a lot over the last uh, umpteen years with this. Hopefully something gets resolved here soon. Uh, Evan Novi Williams, thank you so much. You are at Novi underscore Williams on Twitter and OVY underscore Williams. Go follow him there. Uh, not just for Commander's News, but everything else in the world of uh, sports business, but really the Commander's News right now. We're, put them on notifications for, for, for yeah, come on. We, we're all we're all wondering. Um, Evan, thanks so much, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, Ben. All right. Look, when we want to talk about everybody who knows me knows I love, love, love talking about media stuff, local media stuff, national media stuff, all media stuff. Who better than to do that with than our guest here, the great John Oran, Maryland, uh, Famous Maryland alumni. Famous Scott. Maryland alumni. Thank you, Ben. <laughs> it's like you and Larry David. You, Larry David, Scott Van Pelt. That's how I view the... Uh, a boomer doesn't even get a nod there. Well, you know, he's like a, that's like a different category, you know, athlete. But okay, sure. We can put, but there's still one more spot on Matt Rushmore. Boomer <laughs> can do it. <laughs> I actually did talk to Boomer Esiason this year. He was promoting, I think, FanDuel or something. And I got him on this podcast and like we talked and I was like, dude, I got to be honest, like you were my first quarterback. Like, I mean, uh, this is bizarre. You know, you know, he was Maryland football for me for many years. 
the Bobby Ross years. So those yeah. were great. They they went from Jerry Claiborne, who was like three yards in a cloud of dust, to all of a sudden Bobby Ross brought in this pro offense with this like blonde haired left-handed quarterback that just slung it all over the field. It was like, wow, college football right. can be fun. There may not be a better nickname to real name ratio than going from Norman to Boomer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can't do much better than that from an image perspective. Um, all right. Well, we can reminisce about Maryland uh, some other time, but look, I wanted to bring you in for a bunch of different reasons. Obviously the commanders are in the news for this, that, and the other. But one reason they're in the news that you put out there today was that, or yesterday, I should say, we're talking on Tuesday, is that they have for a long time had a uh, right seal, I guess, with NBC Sports Washington, where NBC Sports Washington, you know, would take some of their uh, their own programming, put it on their air, and just cover the team. I mean, at a very base level with their own programming, writing about it, uh, that's over. Th- that's not going to happen anymore. And their contract is coming up uh next month that's ending as well i don't know what's gonna happen to the commanders but we'll get to that maybe in a sec but what do you make of this partnership ending both from the perspective of why would nbc sports washington which is essentially now monumental sports owned by ted leontis and then from the commanders and like what what is what does it mean for them yeah it's a and the end of what what's been like a really reliable revenue stream for the team uh, they, they they sold you know the, the uh Cable network, the official cable network was always NBC Sports Washington. So who would be the other local cable network that would get it? Masson doesn't spend money on anything outside of uh, producing its live Orioles and, and, and Nationals games. So it, it um, in, in one sense, that's a that's a big surprise because if I'm if I'm the team, like I I want to keep that revenue stream going. Maybe it's not going to be as high as it was when NBC owned it, you know. But but you know you should be able to get something. Uh, but as you said, last fall, Monumental, owned by uh, Leontis, uh, bought the RSN from NBC Sports, and Ted owns the uh, well. Monumental owns the Bullets. Uh, old school owns the wizards the capitals the mystics the go-go um the uh the go-go the g-league team of course um uh, a couple of esports uh uh, teams as well and they have a lot of shoulder programming that they have planned around that uh what does not fit into that is the local nfl team the commanders programming and uh, what I what I was able to, to figure out in, in reporting that story out was that um, they they started to try to have negotiations with the team, expecting the the, the number to come down because it's now owned by almost like a rival owner, an owner that that owns other pro sports in in the uh, in, in the market, and the commanders didn't budge. You know, they they had it. it's which doesn't say say much about the commanders is is frankly a real NFL way to go about things like you know we have a price that we're that that we want and we're not going to budge off that price right. and it's worked well with with national deals it's worked well in just about every market it's worked well for the commanders in this market every other year it's just all, all of a sudden this year they they came up uh with uh somebody else that, that had different plans for for the regional sports network Okay, so from the commander's perspective, obviously there's a lot in flux, as we know, as we're talking. Well, Dan Snyder could be selling this team today, tomorrow, never. We're still trying to figure out what's happening there. So it's possible that when a new owner comes in, maybe cooler heads prevail and they figure out 
something. Now that said, I don't like you said. I don't even know what they would do. I've always wondered if they were to be the 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 team that could do like an OTT, but not and not recently because the fan base is so diminished what to what it was. So I don't even know what they would do. If anything, what well, like you said, do you even have a guess what what they could possibly do? I think that they could go uh, in a lot harder with their over-the-air broadcast uh, partnership, which I, I believe is with WRC four, correct? Correct. Yeah. Or is so you know you if you do something with with Channel four and it provides more um, more uh, shoulder programming, more more studio programming. They already sell the uh, the the preseason games to um, to Channel four, so that it ends up. They end up showing that, and it, uh, at the, last year, Channel Four and um, NBC Sports Washington were both owned by NBC, so it it it, it made sense where it was a, the same company was sort of stealing viewers for, uh, from each other. May, it probably makes a lot less sense having a cable channel like uh, Monumental Sports or whatever it's going to be called stealing uh, or sharing subscribers, sharing viewers with an over-the-air uh, network owned by a different company. Uh, so so th there would have been, like, who, like, what happens with ad sales, what happens with marketing. Like, I don't want to pay a lot if, you know, I'm going to uh, I'm gonna lose lose viewership. So, it, you know, it may have run its course in terms of that as well. Um, uh, but I, if, if, I'm, if I'm the commanders, I am setting up a streaming service, uh, either uh, low cost or, or minimal cost, and I'm I'm just using that uh, to you know do inside uh, the commander's locker room type of a uh, type of videos in addition to the studio type shows that uh, that you have there. I mean that's that's what they started to do with the websites. Again, it's not unique to the commanders. Every NFL team does this. Right. Where and 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 you know uh, uh, people uh, you know it's almost like they were setting up their own publications, you know, and hiring reporters and editors. And you can still sort of do that in terms of hiring your own producers, directors, and 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 stars of whatever studio shows you want to get out there. Yeah. And I think they actually do have some good stuff when like Logan Paulson and Fred Smooter together doing a film breakdown show. I mean, as somebody who's covering the team, I it's pretty educational for me. So they do have some of that stuff. And then yeah, obviously they have first access to everybody they, you know like just the other day when all the new players were, that the free agents were coming in julie donaldson interviewed them before we did uh, you know at the press conferences so they have all that access i would think that people would 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 would, would like that but all right well, we'll see when a new owner comes in help me to you, you know what you know what i think people aren't going to miss is like the advertorial type of shows where you know what, what's a show the intangibles you know uh, uh the, the, the skin tangibles the skin tangible <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that sort of lead into there, and, and and that sort of colored some of the other really good stuff that 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 you mentioned as well. Yeah, so well, let me ask you about that from the NBC Sports Washington slash Monumental perspective. I okay, I, I you know full disclosure, I think people know, but I used to work there in various capacities. But as a consumer, you just see it. it used to be they were like a mini ESPN from a Sports Center perspective. They had you know Chick Hernandez, you know legit news anchors who went on to work at a lot of ESPN and other places as well. They had a lot of programming beyond just the games, but over time it's gotten so diminished that literally right now, the only shows that are on are the sports junkie simulcast. And then whatever the commanders were providing for them. Uh, what do you think they're going to actually do to form the television perspective to put more programming on? Because if you're taking away the commanders, 
okay, you can do more wizards and caps, but uh, I mean, I don't know what kind of audience that's going to draw. Uh, so they're, they're, it's partly that. I mean, they're they're building out studios, and when you talked about having access to the commanders, I mean, you have access to every single one of uh, of Monumental's teams uh, that, that that are out there as well. So that so there there are there are plenty of opportunities to do that. I love talking to you, Ben, because you're like I can't say remember when because you remember remember <laughs> the best damn sports show. Yeah, I. Or for when, when was it? That was twenty years ago, probably uh, twenty five. John, John Sally, I just remember. Yeah, and um, I think Cruck got his start there as well. But for the past quarter century, every single RSN at one point or another has decided, you know, we we uh, get such big audiences to come in to watch our live games. If we could only build out programming from these games. To satisfy those those uh those, those audiences, we can really have a really big good show, uh, a really big channel rather. What each of these networks have has discovered is that you know spending all of that money on studio programming doesn't draw in viewers. The the, the numbers I, I like for instance uh, Comcast Sportsnet, uh, you know NBC Sports Washington, they had I thought really good news programming, local news programming. If I wanted yep. to see the highlights of my local teams, that was a great place to go. And they had did interviews and I only the really hardcore people watch that. They couldn't sell sponsorships around it. Uh, the, the ratings were terrible. Um, well, the ratings were, were terrible. They were tepid, I guess, uh, upgraded <laughs> from terrible to, to tepid. Uh, but RSN executives for the past 25 years, have figured out that people come in, they watch the games. If their team wins, they watch the, the post-game show. If their team loses, they turn it off immediately. And that's right. it. That's the only part of the RSN that they watch. So what are they going to do in terms of bringing out different studio shows? And like, I'm almost like, who cares? It's only about going to see the, the uh, Wizards, the Caps, and the Mystics. The other component is, of course, and look, I get it. When you own, you, you want people to come watch the games at a minimum. And if you continually say how poor they are, or this is a mistake or whatever, well, the, the, that, that may arguably not be the best way to get people to be excited about your product. On the other hand, when you're completely unrealistic with what's happening at all times, <laughs> I say that as somebody pays attention to the wizards, well, then like, it's like, what am I, what, what am I doing? Like the heart, the people who are going to watch a pre and post would be people who actually care versus the casual. And when you're not giving them an honest story, sometimes it makes it feel to me and talking you know, to my friends, it's like, I don't want, this isn't, this is propaganda to a degree. So I, that's the part where I'm sort of confused. I get why they think they need to go a certain way, but it's like when, you know, have a conversation, have like a, the sports reporters type show that used to have that many years ago when it was Washington Post Live, like have something like that, but then you have to allow some candor. I think that could work, especially when the local four, five, seven, and nine, it's not like they're attracting sports viewers either from a news nightly news perspective. Yeah, it's difficult because you're coming from, I mean, you're a lifelong journalist. I mean, I, I, I come from newsrooms where my, you know, the, the people that run uh, the business around journalism and uh, you know, they, they understand, uh, they understand journalism. Um, 
what 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 you're having. We talked earlier about you know the um, the commanders setting up their their own sort of media section. They wouldn't take kindly to you know to to hard tough stories about the commanders about the NFL. You know, it, uh, right. period. Um, I, you know, if, if you work for an established you know a publication news publication that's what they're expected to do and so th th it's always been a little bit of a fine line as you see um as you see uh th these teams and these uh, and the leagues set up their own journalism uh, uh, uh outlets i mean it still is a, its own form of journalism but it, it it's it's uh it, it, it's just different. I, I forget who it is. Bob Raceman, some, one of the uh, New York New York columnists, was like keeping a record for Yankee classics, and I, I, I think the Yankees were four hundred seventy eight and zero in Yankee. Yeah, <laughs> in the Yankee classics, like it's a, the guaranteed programming. That's a good, hey, you can't lose those games if you're gonna put them on TV. Um, all right, but let me go back to the Commanders and sort of broad picture here because you obviously deal with a lot of national NFL stories. Needless to say, the commanders as a brand have gone, you know, been very diminished uh, over the years. Okay. Let's just say there is a new owner pick, whichever owner is in your head is, is, is that person. I know Bezos is, would make it slightly more complicated because they already have a deal with Amazon, but that aside, the NFL, I mean, that aside, does a new owner, what does a new ownership do you think do for this franchise? Whether we're talking about Monday night being more on Monday night football games, whether it means hosting an NFL draft, whether it means going to play games in Europe, how much do you think from that perspective that this change could actually help the brand of, the, of this team? Uh, in terms of hosting an NFL draft or, or, or working with the league to do something like that uh, a lot. Um, but I, I, I go back. I know I always use, I've used this example now for a decade and it's more than a decade old, but when RG three during his, his big time here, in the networks were falling over themselves to get to get the then Redskins in prime time, uh, and uh, and and uh, and get because he you had a a fun star quarterback, you had an offense that was that was uh, you know uh, uh, a a lot of fun to to watch that that would potentially uh, produce big ratings. You, you had a I mean th this fan base is is such a. I grew up in DC in the eighties. It's such a late, I don't think it's a fan base that's left. I think that they're sleeping. It's a latent fan base. And all it takes is, I think all it takes is three wins in a row. And then you'll see, you'll, you'll, you'll see it start to come back. Um, but the things that the, um, that network executives look for and and pitch for, and it's really coming from the networks more than the league is you have to have like established rivalries and Washington, Dallas, Washington, New York, Washington, Philadelphia, or stat, those those are long-standing rivalries that right. have been a somewhat dormant, so they're okay. You need a packed and and uh, active uh, crowd. It's something where DC has really fallen down, uh, uh, you know, especially uh, uh, recently. You and you need a uh, you just need a fun team. You like you don't need like a, a like a, a workman style team, but it, or or a five hundred team. It has to be you know a, a fun guns. Doesn't even have to be gunslinging. Just a a fun team that wins regularly. And you know if you put them on, you know you're you're not necessarily going to suffer through a you know twenty seven to three loss. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess needless to say, I probably don't need to ask you about the ratings, and I didn't ask you in advance. So if you don't know off the top of your head, that's fine. But I, I presume that like all the commanders. They're still con continually going 
down, you know, over time. It's not like I imagine, like, you know, sometimes they have won three in a row or five of six, but even then I think just too many people are like, eh, I'm checked out until either he sells or they get an RG3 like figure. It's hard. I've never seen anything like this. I, I really, I want to come across one person who gives a full throated support of Dan Snyder. Like, uh, like is there a that. more reviled figure in the, in, in, in uh, probably in all of sports, but certainly in the DC market, I can't come up with anybody like that. And I do think that if, if you have a simple change at the top uh, and, and you just have somebody that, you know, it comes out and, and embraces the, the the fan base a little bit more. Uh, you know, I, I you'll start to see that happen. Uh, but of course, you know, it's better than anybody it takes wins on the field. I've always said, like, look, I appreciate the fact that when Congress looked into the commanders over the last year or two, that they were hopefully doing it for the right reasons for to 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 help with you know looking into the harassment charges and what they could do to perhaps help other organizations, but. I also know politicians are politicians and I guarantee a lot of them looked at Dan Snyder and said, you know what? This is a guy is less popular than we are. (laughs) Nobody's going to yell at us for going after him. This is amazing. Possibly vote me out for calling him uh, in front of Congress. Absolutely. Yeah. That's how, that's how poor he is. Congress is always the last on any list of the least (laughs) popular entities, except for this guy. Um, all right, uh, a, a very popular entity is John Orway, and go read him in the Sports Business Journal. Also, and I say this sincerely, I listen to your podcast uh, with Andrew Marshand all the time. Uh, the Marshand and Oran podcast, you guys have very good banter, and obviously you're as plugged in as anybody in the world of sports media, and I love that stuff. So uh, I, I recommend people go check that out as well. Um, John, a pleasure. Great to see you. Hopefully we'll do it in person soon. Yeah, Ben, we got to uh, n- knock some back pretty soon, man. I'm I'm ready. As soon as like we get past his ownership stuff, whatever that means, I'll need plenty of uh <laughs> on so. me. On me. Thanks for yeah. having me. Thanks. All right. Big thanks to Evan Novi Williams from Sportico, John Oran from Sports Business Journal. Uh, you know, we'll get back to more football stuff later in the week. I've got an interview in the can already that you guys will like, no doubt. And uh we'll look, we'll see what the rest of the week uh happens. Uh could be owner news any minute maybe not but we'll we'll be here to find out um that is it for now ben standing signing off until next time see ya